as I put this message together, you know, I really wasn't sure where I was going because Pastor Barb threw some stuff at me that the kids are doing in a few weeks, and I think we're going to do it together, but I said, so when are you going to start? She said, oh, not for two more weeks. So I'm like, oh, okay, so that means I have to come up with something for today. No worries. As I started to pray, I, I came on to uh, the word edge. On the edge. How many know that's where God wants us? Do you see that little person up there? Now listen, I don't want to be him. I don't know about you, but I used to climb to the top of 40, 50 foot trees and swing from the branches. <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of brains then either. But if I tried that today, I'd get up to about 10 foot, maybe 15, and my knees would start shaking. I still remember the day that I had a ladder, and it was right up on that I-beam right there. And this wasn't here, and I had walked up to get a, a cable across. And my knees started doing this. And it was so bad, the ladder started doing this. I'm not making this up. And, and I think he's here. Where's Troy at? Troy, how do you show? Remember that? I'm, I'm screaming. He was our maintenance guy. I'm screaming, help, help. <laughs> and, and he came in and he steadied the ladder because literally I couldn't move. It, it was doing this so bad. And needless to say, I got off of that ladder and I quit running the, the wire at that point. I'm not good at heights. This has nothing to do with heights. It has to do with, are we playing it too safe as a church? God wants us to do supernatural, abnormally big things, miraculous things. But if we play it too safe, and I'm talking about our faith, if we play it too safe, we're never going to get to that place where God wants us to go. And the message today is all about that. Living on the edge. What does that mean for you and me? What does that mean for the child of God? Do you trust him? Two of you do. Do you trust him? With everything. All right. Well, let's see where this goes. I really do, I, I'm hoping that as we go through this, that you sense the challenge. You know, I love it when God's Word challenges us. I love it when the message gets us to do something that we need to do, but we're not doing it yet. This isn't a beat you up message, okay? Thankfully. I've had a few of those. Remember, I get beat up first, because I always go through it before you do. Right? So today... I believe this message is encouraging, and, and literally it's for those who want to stop playing it safe and start living on the edge. That's what it's all about. So I'm going to use the word EDGE as an acronym, and the first letter, E, is for what? Engage. Now that doesn't mean engaged, like I'm getting engaged to this beautiful woman next to me, or guy, doesn't mean that. It has something else in mind, all right? 
Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and I'm going to use that particular dictionary while I'm going through this mini-series. By the way, this is part one, and part two will be next week. First letter is E for engage, which is a what? A verb, which means what? Action. Action, Ferndock. Remember that? No. How many old people are in here? Was it Alley Cat? Remember that? Yeah, you remember, don't you? Because you're way older than me. No, we're the same age. But I'm just picking on you. It means to offer something such as one's life or word. So basically what you're doing is you're saying, here, Lord, it's yours. You're offering something such as one's life or word as backing to a cause or aim. What's the cause? Christ. The church, Jesus, heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then it says to expose to risk. What? Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to expose to risk your life for the attainment or the support of some end or literally his end? As a Christian, we're challenged to engage our culture and to define who we are in Christ so that all can see. I love this. You know, there are some out there that don't like the message of the Bible. And I don't use it real often because it's a paraphrase. But listen to this. Matthew 5, I'm going to read verses 13 through 16 in the message. I'll put it up behind me. But listen to what he says about this. This is what we're here for. Let me tell you why you're here. You ready for this? You're here to be salt seasoning. That brings out the God flavors of this earth. Ah, I love the way he puts this. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You still with me? You've lost your usefulness and will end up where? In the garbage. Nobody wants to end up in the garbage, right? Verse 14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. How cool is that? God wants us to show off. And then this last verse, now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, what? Shine. Keep open house. I love that. How many have ever been to an open house? I'm talking like real estate, right? They open the doors, and anybody who wants to come can. That's what he's saying here. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. The scripture that I shared earlier during the offering talked about that. Be generous with your lives. We're not expected to hang on to everything we have until Jesus comes back. In fact, to the contrary, he's saying, give it away. What I've given you, give it away. It isn't for us to hang on to, to clutch, so that nobody else can get it. 
In fact, if that's you, you're in danger. Let it go. And watch what God can do with your life. Watch what He'll do with your resources. That's what He's saying here. And finally, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You see why I shared that from the message? That's who we're supposed to be. Sharing our lives with people. And when you look at it, it kind of looks easy peasy, doesn't it? Not. How many know when you do this, you get that target on your back? You get the ridicule. You get people slandering you, even though you don't deserve it. Most of the time. Sometimes maybe we open this, insert foot. But most of the time, it's just pure evil. We see it all over the, the news, the media. You don't know who to believe anymore. I don't, other than him. He's our rock. In him, we can always trust. And listen, here's the other part. Sometimes you doing this, being the light, being the salt, can lead to physical abuse. Ouch. But it happens. There are people losing their heads, literally, for their faith today. We got it made here, at least this week. Where we're going to be next week, nobody knows. Only God knows. I hope we're taken up in the rapture. That's my belief. We're going to be gone before it comes. But if we're not, you and I could end up suffering for our faith. Are you willing to live on the edge for Jesus? Are you willing to engage? Hallelujah. This persecution thing, does it or should it prevent us from engaging in this culture today? I'm asking a question. Should we allow it to prevent us from sharing our faith? But do we? Thank you for being honest. We do. Often we do. Listen, whether family, friend, or foe, Lord, show us when and where to go. Whether family, friend, or foe, Lord, show us when and where to go. He gave me that little nugget this morning or yesterday. I just can't get rid of it. This should be our prayer. Whether, would you say it with me? Whether family, friend, or foe, Lord, show us when and where to go. Engage. The other day, it, it was it two days ago, one of the pastors asked if he could leave his car in our parking lot. And I got here and I said, all right, leave the keys. Just in case it snows. Uh, we're in Gaylord, whatever. 
He's been gone since Thursday. So Friday I come up here and, and we had about that much snow all around his car. And I, I asked the plow guy if he'd pull the snow out from behind it, I'd move it and then he could plow right there where the little car was. I get in it and there's, there's a stick shift in this thing. I'm like, what? They still make these? And I, I, had, to, I had to rethink. All right, put the clutch in. Turn the key. Find reverse. I couldn't find reverse. I'm looking. I'm trying to engage that transmission to get into reverse. And I finally figured it out. I had to pull up on this little knob. And then it allowed me to go into reverse. You need to engage the transmission in your faith life. You know what I'm saying? Are you still with me? You haven't thrown me out yet? If you're a blood-bought, born-again believer then Matthew 5 applies to you. Say, Matthew 5 applies to you. Tell your neighbor that. Matthew 5 applies to you. If you belong to God, then you are His servant, and you are expected to bear fruit. And not just a little fruit, much fruit. And I want to show you this. I've shared this quite a bit. But you know what? When the Holy Spirit keeps bringing stuff back, what does it mean? Get hold of it. Get hold of it because he's going to keep. How many times or how long, I should say, did the Israelites have to go around that mountain, that desert? Why? So until you get this, you're going to keep seeing it up here. John 15. Yes, I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, your job is to plug into the vine first. God wants a relationship with you. Your heavenly Father sent His Son so that you could have that relationship. And then, after Jesus ascended, He sent His Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, to counsel us. To show us the way. But you have to get in the vine. You have to plug into the vine first. For apart from me you can do nothing, Jesus said. Then, verse 6, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Have you ever seen that? Sometimes when I cut stuff around the church, there will be little branches that I try to trim and, and I can tell whether I got it or not the next day or two when it turns brown or it's still green and I know I have to trim it again. That's what's going to happen for those who don't plug into the vine and bear fruit. Such branches, this last part hurts, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. They're useless to God. Get plugged in. Bear fruit. That's our job. That's what our, we're called to do. Verse 7, but, and I love this, right side of the but, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if what? Get that part. First you need Jesus, then you need His Word. You can't do a thing without knowing the promises of God. All right? You have got to study 
Be a Berean. Study the Word of God. Know what it says. Know where these addresses are for the different scriptures that we, pro- that we profess over and over and over. Remain in me, my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want as long as it lines up with the Word and it will be granted. Verse 8, it's a part I really want you to get. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. God wants us to bear fruit. When we do, it gives God the glory. Now, on the flip side, when we don't, what does it do? Thank you. It takes away from His glory. Have you had people say, well, does that mean Christians should always be bearing fruit? Yeah. Listen, even in prison, the apostles, instead of going, I'm in jail, and it's midnight, and it's dark, and rats are biting my feet. How does that bring God glory? But instead, they did what? You know what? I'm not excited about where I'm at, but God, hallelujah! Praise the name of Jesus! And they started singing and worshiping Him. And what happened? The chains fell off. Tell me, is that a miracle? Or did the rats bite them off? It's a miracle. Pure and simple. Yeah, if, if a rat had enough to bite through chain, that would be a miracle. That's right. And then the guard, the guard fell down and was about to throw his own sword at himself because he knew what was coming. All his prisoners are escaping. It meant his life. And they said to him, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Hallelujah. They had an open house right there in prison. How cool is that? They were willing to engage. They were willing to engage the people that were in front of them. When you produce much fruit, Jesus said, you are my true disciples. How many true disciples do we have here today? Let me ask you this. What's the fruit that Jesus is expecting us to experience here? Souls? Love? Fruit of the Spirit? Yada, 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 right? I'm not trying to be glib with that. The answer here is looking us right in the face. An orange seed, when planted, can only produce what? Oranges. An apple seed, when planted in the ground, can only produce what? Disciples of Jesus, when planted, can only produce what? More disciples. That's... You know what? I think that little thing is... I lost my, the end of this. Let me move it back a little. You still hear me? Hopefully that won't be. That'll take care of that. We can only bear one kind of fruit. God fruit. And that's from the people that we invest in. You know, you're not necessarily going to always see somebody go from 
first stage to the end stage. You're not going to see them always getting born again, but you can be one that puts seed in them. Somebody else might come along and water that seed, but you can do whatever you can do to see that person come to Christ. And then, once they're born again, then what? Then the real work starts. The discipling. Having those Bible studies. Meeting with them and saying, Hey, how you doing with, with the Word of God? Hey, have you read the book of John yet? Have you prayed? Would you like to pray? Let me, let me show you how I pray. Listen, when we find new believers... We can't just let them go. What's Satan going to do? He's going to eat their lunch. We need to walk alongside these folks and, and keep them firmly planted. And if they disappear, what do we do? Run and grab them, put them in a headlock and bring them back. Whatever it takes. Compel them to come in. Hallelujah. So our job, the challenge, is to lead people to Jesus. Help them find the way to the cross. And then hopefully, someday, someday, they're going to become born again. Just like you and me. In the church, we call that conversion. They're going to be twice born. They're going to be serving Him. And then we help them walk through all the junk that's in their life. Just because you're born again doesn't mean all the stuff's gone. In fact, that's when the real work starts. That's why He sent us the Holy Spirit. To help us with all that stuff. We're laborers, I heard. Hmm. This is the outcome we want for everybody. Conversion. Therefore, if any person is, and this is the Amplified, ingrafted. I like that because we were just talking about Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. They're engrafted in Christ, the Messiah. He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. Twice born, the Bible says. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has what? Passed away, is no more, it's behind. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Ah, fresh. I showered this morning. In a sense, that's what you do spiritually. The blood of Jesus washes you clean. No longer are you a stench to God. No longer are you prohibited from speaking to Him and having that direct audience. But now you can go directly to Him with Jesus as your mediator. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You just need faith. Because you've been blood-bought, born again. That's all that's required for you to have direct access. Now, start that conversation. We'll get into that more next week. All right. Oh, I'm, I skipped this part. We're expected to engage our culture and show them the way. Do you know in the early church, the Acts church, do you know they were actually called the way? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, but through the Son, right? That's why they called themselves the way. You want to go to heaven? Here's the way. Watch this. Everybody do that. Watch this. Now are you serious? 
Because if people watch you, what are they going to see? What are they going to experience? Is it the God in you? Or is it the little God? Little G in you. I hope it's the big G. Because we don't want to mislead people. We don't want to send people the wrong way, do we? We want them to become disciples. So here's a question for you, Christian. When is the last time that you engaged someone in the faith? And I don't mean coming in here, hey, brother, how you doing? High five. I'm not talking about that. There's nothing wrong with that. We need that fellowship. But honestly, there are a lot of chairs. I'd like to see us where we have to add chairs because people are hungry to see their friends, their family, and their foes one to Christ. This place should be packed. Because one thing I promise, I may not be the best preacher, but I always give them an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I don't care about that. I don't. I don't need anybody's affirmation. As long as I'm doing what he's telling me to do, I'm in the right place. All right. If you know that God gave his one and only son, Jesus, and hopefully you know this, to come and to pay the price for your sins, what should your response be? What should my response be? It should be to serve Him. To have that intimate relationship with Him first. And then to bear much fruit. There are 4 billion plus people on this planet who do not know Jesus. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. We need to engage these people in the love of Christ. Now, I had this just just a little aside, okay? I know some people try to minister to other people using the social media. And there's nothing wrong with that. All right? Some of you do really well. But with the advent of social media, there are many out there today who I like to call sideline snipers. You know what I'm talking about? Well, you know, I was hurt. And, well, bless my peak-picking little heart, I'm going to let people know I was hurt. And and I'm going to tell the world what I've gone through and how horrible a person my friend is or my enemy is or the political party that I can't stand is. You know what? That's not the way to do it. If you're going to use social media, use it for the glory of God. If you got an itch with somebody, if you need to scratch it, either message them privately Or call them and say, we need to get together and talk. Do the Matthew 18 thing and get it out. 
instead of hiding in the bushes. And then people look at that and they go, isn't he a Christian? Wow. God help us. Don't be a sideline sniper. Don't be a sideline sniper. Poke your neighbor and say, don't be a sideline sniper. All right? Don't hide under your Facebook or Twitter basket taking shots at whomever thinking that that's going to make you feel better. Because it's not going to make you feel better. Be better than that. Enough said. Back to the message. Some of you may feel that it's too difficult to engage those around you with the love of Christ. I want to encourage you today. You can do it. (laughs) Can you say that with me? You can do it. I don't know why I like it. Every time, and it's from the wrong movie. If you've seen it, you know what I'm saying. Let's look at the next letter in the word edge, all right? The next letter is D is for direction. Man, you guys from the south? Direction. Is that right, Shelly? Is that, is that Kentucky slang? It is. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, Shelly. I'm so glad you and Mike are here. Y'all. Y'all. So, what does direction mean? You kind of know this from the Merriam-Webster's again. It's a noun, all right? It's guidance or supervision of action or conduct. It can also be, read that last part, an address. It's an address. That's what I want you to get in your head today. As followers of Christ, servants of the Most High God, we are not expected to walk aimlessly around the desert for 40 years as some have in the past. We are expected to have a purpose and a direction. We are expected to know our purpose and direction. Hear this part. Under the guidance and supervision of the Holy Spirit, we are expected to go from one address to the next. Get this in your heart. Because I think what happens is we become a Christian, we become born again, and we want to do all the great things that God has for us, but we keep trying to skip process addresses. The, the little ones that are in between. Listen, if we drive to Florida, which we've done many times, it's about 1,200 miles. Do we just get in the car and head to Florida? Are there other addresses that we stop at on the way? Gas station. And not just to get gas either, right? The older you get, the more you stop because you need to empty a tank as long well as fill one. Right? you got to plan that stuff in. Food. Can't go without food. Maybe a hotel here and there. You always try to find the best deals. So to get to where you're going, there's a whole process to get there. Do you think it's any different for you, now that you're born again, twice born, now that you're that new creature, that new creation, your destiny is what? Final address, heaven. Yes, right? But on the way there, God has other addresses for us to stop at so that we'll learn what we need to learn before we go to the next one. 
Am I preaching to myself this morning? Is this making sense to you? Because this is, this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit downloaded into me, and I believe He wants all of us to hear this today. We need to know the addresses, our destiny. How many know it's impossible to get to the right destination unless you know what the ad, intended address is? We all have, well, not all of us. Most of us have one of these lovely things. That's my granddaughter, by the way, showing her little belly. You can't see it. But on this phone, I can go to, I don't use the first one because it always takes me the wrong way. I go to Google Maps, and I, I plug in. As long as I have a physical address and zip code, this thing will get me where I need to go. And it'll even give me little gas stations to stop at. It'll give me little hotels I can stop at, and yada, yada, all the way there. But I have to have a destination before this thing will work, before it will help guide me to where I'm to go next. Right? Am I done? Oh, OnStar. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, OnStar is awesome. T 20 feet, turn right here. And there's a brick building right where. <laughs> right? Did that ever happen? Once, yeah. Don't always listen. You know, if, if, if you think you're on the highway and you see the ocean coming at you and it's telling you you've got two more miles to go, stop. <laughs> Use your better judgment. Guess what? The Lord has a plan for you. He has addresses all along the way of life. Places where he wants you to check in and learn things so that you can go on to the next one. God is, he's not a chaotic God, he's very organized. He's orchestrated your life and mine so that everything is precept upon precept. Everything is in order so that when you get to the next address where you might be required to lead somebody to the Lord, you're going to have already learned how back here. But if you didn't learn how back here and then God takes you to this next one and there's somebody there that needs to know how must I be saved, you're going to be going... <laughs> you know what? Hey, wait right here. i got to go back to this other address and... You know what I'm saying? Here's a problem with some. They're unteachable. The Bible tells us pride comes before a fall. You might think you know it all, that you don't need any help. Park your intelligence at the door. Humble yourself and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to learn here? You know, that simple prayer, it will prepare you for whatever's next. When you're willing to invite Him in and say, now what? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to minister to? Maybe it's just you. Maybe God wants alone time with you. Sometimes that happens. 
Because he knows your batteries have run out. You need to be recharged. You need to plug back into the vine. Sometimes he provides addresses where you can just do that. But most of the time, he's got everything is, is planned. Your life is, when we get to heaven, we're going to go, you've got to be kidding me. He knew all that? Yes! He can see the beginning from the end. What is his name? One of them. The Alpha and the? The beginning and the? He knows it all. Ask that simple question. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to learn here? Maybe he has a specific job for you. I've, I've used this before, but bears witness. When I went to uh, Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, to get my illustrious education in Bible and theology. <laughs> I couldn't find work. I'd left General Motors making really good money. Had a great job in the engineering facility at Oldsmobile and Lansing. And I go to Springfield and I can't find nothing to do. Nobody will hire me. Oh, well, you're way overqualified, brother. Sorry, we can't hire you. You know what? We'll hire you and you'll be gone next week because you find a better job. Everybody kept saying that to me. So finally, I walked into the office at the headquarters of the Assemblies of God in Springfield, Missouri, and, and here's this big dairy farmer from Wisconsin who was the boss of the maintenance department. And I looked at him. I said, Brother Dean, I need work, man. I need to supply food for my family. Well, Norm, yeah, yeah. You know, do you have any experience? Well, I've done maintenance before. Well, you know, I mean, it looks like you had a really good job before. Yeah, I did, but give me a chance. I'll show you I can do it. And that big old, his hand was like, <laughs> I'm not making it up. He's a big guy. Puts his arm around me, Norm, I'll give you a chance. And he was such a nice guy. And he did. So what am I doing? What's my first job for the six months? Pot cart. I worked the pot cart for six stinking, literally, months. Sixty-six commodes, 88 urinals. Hello? Five hours every night, and the floors, and the sinks, and... Nobody else will. Why do I bring that up? The first job I had here, when we came to Gaylord, Michigan, was to open up the pump-up station downstairs in the basement because the pump had broken and nothing was hooked up. And I broke the water on top. Should have put a gas mask on. I don't know, if you were here, not many of you were, if you were here for a week after that, you smelled that smell throughout this church. Like a septic tank. God prepared me. And we did maintenance for several months when we first started here. God prepared me. Norm, learn it first. Be humble. 
Just because you're the pastor doesn't mean you're never going to clean a toilet. In fact, to the contrary. That's just an example of being teachable. As I see it, most Christians stumble through this life just hoping to do a little bit of good. But what if? What if we got the address first? And then we went. All right? We went to where God wants us to go. We will bear so much fruit that he'll be going, oh, well done. You guys are awesome. Hello? Here's one of my favorite passages to go with this. Oh, sorry. Say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. How cool is that? Can it get any simpler? God has a specific path for us to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not, do not, do not depend. Whew, man, so many of us get in trouble here. Put the time in seeking His face. You know, this is more important to the Lord than anything you do. Plug into the vine. Get to know Him. Get to know how much He loves you. Get to know who He is. You can't share something that you don't have. Get the love of God in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. By getting to know Him, by getting to know the Father's heart, by getting to know His will, then you can go to the next address where God's most likely going to use you to minister to somebody. He's going to show you the path to take. If you'll listen. As a Bible illustration, I just wanted to talk about Deuteronomy chapters 1 and 2, and I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to kind of give you a little synopsis. Obviously, this is in the Old Testament, the fifth book of the Torah, the law. All right? Moses, through, through these two chapters, he gives us a blow-by-blow account of how God had delivered them from the clutches of the enemy, how He'd saved them and then brought them to the edge of the promised land. Over a 38-year period, Moses and the Hebrew people went from one address to the next address to the next address, but apparently they didn't get what they were supposed to get because they kept having to go back. You see, when you build precept on top of precept, you're going to keep going ahead. But when you become unteachable, when you stop in your tracks and go, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't doing that. That's too risky. What happens? You're not going any further. Do you really believe God has a plan for you? For the Israelites, they were supposed to learn to trust God through this 40-year period. Somehow they missed it. 
what God wanted them to learn was that they needed to leave behind much of what they'd picked up from the Egyptian culture. He didn't want them dragging that through the rest of their life. The other God's thing, you know. There were a lot of things that that were done wrong in Egypt. And he wanted them to realize there's only one God, Big G. And if you'll trust me, I've got your back. But for whatever reason, and I, I wasn't there, so I can't tell you exactly. The Bible says rebellion. They, they, the Bible uses that word. The people were in rebellion. Whatever reason, they didn't reach the promised land. All these, This whole generation didn't make it because they refused to be teachable. Along the way, as they stood on the edge of the promised land, the Israelites wanted to know what they were in for. For the ites and the mites were on the other side. The promised land. Where God wanted them to go. Where he wanted them to take the land. The ites and the mites were there. So instead of listening to God, who gave very clear instructions, as we're going to see here in just a minute, instead of that, what did they do? Well, why don't we just send 12 men in there, spies? Let's send 12 men in there, and we'll just see what they come back with. Is it really all that God tells us it is? Is it really the promised land? We shall find out. Well, we know what happened, right? If you know the story. They're giants. And we're like grasshoppers. And you know how you can... They had that picture in their minds. Where was their faith? This is the God that had just parted the sea and allowed them to escape from their oppressors. He had fed them for 40 years. Their clothes didn't wear out. Yes, they got tired of the manna, and then they fussed about it, and then God sent them partridge. We call them partridge. And to the point where it was pouring out of their nostrils... He was so mad at him. I was like, trust me, trust me. Rebellious people. So these ten come back. Oh, we can't do it. We go in there, we're going to get killed. Two of them had a good report. Yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Grapes the size of basketballs. Oh, they didn't have basketballs. Big grapes. Yes, the ites and the mites are there, but listen to this part. Here's where I want you to go. You got to get there. Oops, where did we go? There we go. If God is, say this with me, if God is for us, who can... Now, they didn't have this scripture back then, but they knew in their heart. If God is for us, who can be against us? The Lord was saying, if only you would trust me and believe in me, believe in my cause, I would move heaven on earth for you. But they didn't believe him. And all he was telling them to do, begin to take the next address. Begin to take 
possession of the next address. What do the Israelites from the Old Testament have to do with you and me? Listen to this. Set out now. Listen to how clear this is. Set out now and cross the Arnon Gorge. See, I have given it into your hand. Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his country begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. What is he telling them to do here? Move! I've already given it to you. Begin to take possession of it. This very day, I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. Listen to me. Just because that was Old Testament doesn't mean the same thing. Did God change? Are you His people? Will He do the same thing for you? So what are we waiting for? Live on the edge. Engage. Begin to take possession. What have we done? <laughs> Let's go to church where we're safe. I think we're safe. Looking at your face right now, I'm not quite sure, but... You look scary. Serious. And church should be safe, right? But church should be an address to get filled, refilled, fueled, recharged, taught, discipled, so we can go out and bear much fruit. Wow. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Here's my paraphrase. To offer one's life for the cause of Christ. To expose oneself to risk. Risk. I'm trying to do that twice. In order to attain the end goal. God's goal. That should be our life. To offer one's life for the cause of Christ. Have you done that? To expose oneself to risk in order to attain the end goal. God's goal. You see... He took care of the Israelites, the, the ones that didn't fuss. They got into the promised land, and, and it was a breeze. They had already won. All they had to do was put their feet on the ground. We have holed up long enough. We need to get out there, live on the edge, engage this culture, and take possession of this land again. The Bible says that their enemies feared them, and we always picture in our heads the ites and the mites. Spiritual forces tremble when God is with you. You need to know that. He tries to convince us we've lost. We need to remind him he lost. We've got the victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whose direction are you taking? Whose voice are you listening to? Sadly, the Israelite people listened to the ten rather than the two. We already talked about that. Are you listening to the ten or the two? Hello? 
Are you listening to the ten or the two? In a modern context, are you hearing, if you talk about your Jesus in public, you'll be crushed like an ant. I'll have so many lawsuits against you. You can't bring your Bible to school and open it. Young man, you are going to be expelled. Have you heard that? Probably not, but it happens. Yes, you are allowed to bring it. The First Amendment guarantees that, at least as long as we have a constitution. It could change. Your God is saying, I will give you the victory, take the land, trust me, and begin to take possession. In conclusion, that's right, I'm closing. Get five minutes. We are called to be salt and light. If we're not, what's going to happen? Thank you. You got that part. We are called to be salt and light to engage our culture and to tell them about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, about what Jesus has done for us. That's our challenge. That's our job. That's our destiny. We're not left to fend for ourselves aimlessly going through. Too many Christians aimlessly go through this life never really accomplishing anything. And the Holy Spirit is saying, why? I'm your guide. Are you listening? Are you looking? Are you asking, where do you want me to go next? If we trust the Lord and seek His will, He will show us the address that we are to conquer. And once we conquer that address, He'll show us the next that we are to conquer. This life is all about the victories. That's your destiny as a follower of God. So don't listen to the crowds. Listen to God's chosen. Don't trust the media. Trust God's holy words, the Bible. Don't take the easiest path. Take the path that God has laid out for you. It may lead you right to the edge, just like that person up there. Like I said, I'm, I'm not geeked about getting out there, but I am geeked about doing His will. And I want to do whatever He's got for me to do. It might be saying, just to, you know what? You can win people to the Lord through kindness. We're going to talk about that again in a few weeks. But I just want you to get this today. What is the E for? Engage. Engage who? The culture, the world, the people around us. Don't get all locked up in our, in our little bubbles here. What's the D? Direction. Where do we get our direction? The Word. The Holy Spirit. He wants to guide you, but you have to come to Him and ask. He's got this. If you'll do your part and begin, say it with me, begin to take possession. Stand with me.
What's your next address? God is so good. He is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. Oh, Holy Spirit, guide us. We worship the name of Jesus in this place. That name that is above every other name. Lord, no weapon formed against us will have its way because we serve you. And you've got this. As long as we're living for you, as long as we're listening, and as long as we're doing the things you've challenged us to do, we have the victory. Lord, I pray for those today who might feel like they come up short on this. I pray right now just a supernatural influence in their lives. Show them how easy this is. Show them, Lord, your plan for their life. And begin to speak to them. Give all of us, hold your hands on your ears. Give all of us ears to hear that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit. Even in the loudness of the world, of the media, of those who have evil intentions. God, give us ears to hear what you, Holy Spirit, would want us to hear. Now place your hands on your eyes. Lord, give us eyes to see. Take the blinders off. Give us eyes to see how clear a path you have for us in front of us. If we just put our trust in you, if we need, lean not on our own understanding, we acknowledge you in all our ways, Lord. You will direct our path. Help us to see it. In Jesus' name. If you're here today, and you say, Pastor Norm, I'm not right with Jesus. I need a miracle. Lift your hand up so I can see it. Yep, anybody else? All right, let's pray. If you raised your hand, pray this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I'm not right with you. You know everything about me. I'm not fooling you. I'm not going to try today. Forgive me of everything I've blown. Give me the mind of Christ. And now help me to live for you. Wash my sins away, Lord. Make me clean. Today, I start to walk in your righteousness. Now, Holy Spirit, fill me anew, afresh. Ah, I'm a new creation in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for doing that for me. Now help me to live for you all the days that I have left. I pray this in the precious name. I pray this in the powerful name of the Son of God. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Give him the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
there's so much coming at us. Go out there and encourage today. You got this. Not because of you, because of Him. He's got your back. Just take that simple little step of faith. You're going to be all right. Listen, He tuned you up today. Next week, it's going to be more of the same, but I believe it's going to be just as powerful. If you can, come on back. Love to see you again. And we'll finish up the edge. All right? Just to, uh, uh, just to say this, because we don't know, this weather's crazy. If you're ever wondering, if you, go to, if you have internet, which most of you do, go to gaylordchurch.com. You can click on uh, the events, and there's a weather cancellation button thingy there. And if we close any event, whether it's Monday through Sunday, it'll be on there, okay? We post it as early as we know we're not. And if Gaylord Schools is closed, we close. Obviously, they don't have school on Sunday, so you'll have to look at the uh, website. Or we also call Promise FM or Smile FM, whatever, and let them know. But just so you know, if if there is a cancellation, and, and we usually, I think in the 16 years we've been here, I think we've closed twice. And it's usually been for ice, because <laughs> we don't do ice. But uh, that's it. Love you guys. Pray for us. Keep us lifted up. Have a great week in Jesus, and go tell somebody what he's done for you. Amen.